Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Welcome to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I am your host, Ari Barbalat. Today, I am honored to be in dialogue with Dr. Barak Cohen. He is a senior lecturer of Talmudic literature at Bar-Ilan University. We are here to discuss his new book, For Out of Babylonia Shall Come Torah, and the word of the Lord from Nehar Pekud, The Quest for Babylonian Tanaitic Traditions, published in Leiden by Brill Publishers 2017. Barak, it's an honor to be in dialogue with you today. For having me here. To begin, can you tell us about the context behind your interest in this topic? Can you tell the st- the the story of how your interest in this specific piece of research originated? That I try to answer in this book is what happened in Babylonia during the Parthian period. In other words. What do we know? We know that the Palestinian Talmud, uh, we know that the Tanaim in Palestine created literary um, halachic compositions in Eretz Israel from the years 70, the destruction of the Second Temple, to the time of Rabbi Yudah the Prince in about 200 or 220 AD. Now, what happened in in Babylonia, since in Palestine we have the Mishnah, we have the Halachic Midrashim also. But what happened? We have also the Tosefta at the end of the Tanaitic period. But what information do we have communities in Babylonia of that period and about legal traditions in that? The first to ask such a questions, such a question was Professor Yeshayahu Gafni in his book, The Jews of Babylonia in the Talmudic Period. He said that this is a very, very important, and I leave this question to Talmudists, to scholars who deal with halakha and literary compositions of Sifruta Torah of Talmud, Talmudic literature. And this was very interesting for me, and I had to find a solution and try to test this, these questions. And obviously, these questions for me in this book, historical implications and halachic implications as well. What are the primary themes in this book? What message does this book convey? 
Miss Brooks, this book tries to analyze the legal, Tanaitic legal traditions in the Babylonian Talmud. And in this book, I try to analyze or date, provide a new dating of the Talmudic Tanaitic materials in Sasanian Babylonia. In other words, the Tanaitic halachic material adopts Sasanian realia. And how were they, how the, were these traditions redacted in a new way in Talmudic Babylonia? And this provided me in a new way, a new of dating Palestinian material in the Babylonian. What are the primary themes in this book? What message does your book convey? This with a new dating of Palestinian material in the Babylonian Talmud. Not only a new dating, but also it provides us with new scientific research methods of identifying Palestinian material in the Babylonian Talmud. Every or scholar who deals with Talmudic history must know the different methods of how to date Palestinian traditions or Baraitot in the Babylonian Talmud. There are all kinds of Palestinian traditions and all kinds of, they went through all kinds of reductional processes. But, however, one should know that area of dating the Palestinian material in the Babylonian Talmud. What would you like listeners to get out of our dialogue today? I want them to get to know how Palestinian were, uh, were brought from Palestine and adopt, adopted in Sasanian Babylonia. Many of them were uh, reducted in, based on Sasanian realia. Many of them were understood to be different from their original meaning and so on. But we have different criteria of how one should date any historian or Talmudist who deals with the Babylonian Talmud and wants to date and know the uh, origin uh, the origin of these Tanaitic or these Halachot, whether they were indeed Palestinian or not, needs to know the different criteria of how to date this material. Why is it important to study early Babylonian Tanaitic traditions? Because many of the interpretation of the Babylonian sages in, in to the Mishnah and Baraitot and to biblical verses were based on earlier Tanaitic traditions. This is the general um, um, assessment of the sources. So therefore, one should get to know whether Torah study was practiced in in the Tanaitic period in Babylonia. My conclusion was that we have very few halachic traditions in the Tanaitic period, very few, that originated in Babylonia, and all that we know about the halacha in the Tanaitic period in Babylonia goes back to Palestine. In other words, Babylonia halachic authority of Palestinian sages in Eretz Israel. Why is it important for students and readers to know about an independent Babylonian Mishnah, which originated in the Proto-Talmudic period. Why is this relevant in the year 2023? Every scholar, historian, or Talmud analyzes or builds an historical picture of Palestine or Babylonia needs to know how to date Palestinian material in the Babylonian Talmud. For instance, Chanuch Albek, 
one of the greatest scholars who has dealt with this topic, this issue in during in 1970, thought that a, a tradition which is in Aramaic wordings presented to us in the Talmudic Surya in Aramaic and not in Hebrew is thought to be of Babylonian origin and not Palestinian origin since it is presented to us in Aramaic, even though it is attributed to Palestinian origin as a Palestinian halacha. This was found by me not true because many, many of the content of these halacha are indeed Palestinian in origin because I many of these Tanaitic traditions one by one and compared the content of these traditions to Palestinian Tanaitic or Amoraic, early Amoraic halacha. Out that even though they are terms or Aramaic wordings, they were indeed documented in earlier Palestinian halacha. This shows us that it teach Amoraic wording does not necessarily teach us about the of the Babylonian halachic tradition. You must go back and analyze always the content of the tradition so you are able to, um, um, you are indeed able to understand is a Tanaitic or a Muraic halacha. How does your book contribute to debates surrounding continuity and change in halacha? In the book, I tried to differentiate between literary style and wording and content of halacha. In other words, many of the Tanaitic traditions that are attributed to Palestinian halacha in Babylonia of literary um, phenomena that modern scholarly research for their Babylonian Palestinian. Why? Because only when you check the content halacha separately, only then, this is the knowing whether this halacha is Babylonian or earlier points on the Palestinian picture. Any historians who deals with the the world of the Amoraic system in the in the Amoraic period, Jewish marriage, um, gifts in contempl uh, contemplation of death, and different cultures in Eretz Israel and Babylonia, in Palestine and Babylonia. It is very, very important because when you buy the, when you build a and their culture, you must know or make sure that every halacha you base yourself upon is, you need to know if it's Tanaitic or Amoraic, if it's early Palestinian halacha or late Babylonian. What new light does your book shed on the editing and redaction of the Talmud? What role did editing play in the sources that you examine here? Each, I, in this book, I try to argue that there are many, many Tanaitic collections or traditions that were brought in a very earlier period from Palestine to Babylonia, and the Amorite period redacted these to be more of a Babylonian origin. In other words, the Babylonian in Babylonian wording, and they were from different sources, Palestinian sources, and as a one provided uh, as a one legal source in but but all these literary phenomena do not prove anything of these Tanaitic traditions. In other words, every historian should be very cautious before um, building the history or attributing a specific source 
to a Babylonian origin and claim that this halacha was created by the Babylonian Amoraim and not the Palestinian Amoraim because there are always parallels to the content of these Talaitic traditions and not the um, and not their literary style as they are in the Babylonian Talmud. As a researcher, how do you balance academic objectivity with sincere devotion to the texts you examine in this book? Since this book appeared in 2017, how has it been received by different audiences? Which responses surprised you the most? Um, there are many, many scholars who quoted the book while dealing with historical issues or topics such as Babylonia during the Parthian period, during the Tanaitic period, or the relationship Babylonia in in the Talmudic period, or by the in the uh, or um, in the question of whether um, a specific Tanaitic halacha depicted in the Babylonian Talmud or Palestinian halacha or invented in the Babylonian uh, realia. And uh, I, was really, um, I was really surprised that recently Hebrew University, um, who dealt with other topics, um, um, mentioned the book as one of the most important scholarly topics nowadays in Talmudic research. To those who are unfamiliar with halachic texts and rabbinic literature, can you define the term baraita? What does it mean to our listeners who might not have background in Talmud? Can you explain what is a baraita? A baraita that I deal with in the biblical traditions, the Tanaim between the years 70 AD, the destruction of the and the reduction of the Mishnah in third century AD. Now, a baraita wanted to legal material which from the Mishnah by Rabbi Judah the Prince, the great redactor of the Mishnah. We have many, many Tanaitic traditions that are mentioned by the Palestinian or the Babylonian, included by, not included, why treat these traditions, Tanaitic traditions, as they did towards the Mishnah. These legal traditions attributed to the same Tanaim, same sages in Palestine during the, the from, from whatever reason, and we specific case, why these traditions were left out by Rabbi Judah the Prince in the reduction of the Mishnah. But these traditions that are that are mentioned or quoted in Rishonia with specific terms, Babylonian Tanaitic traditions or Tanaitic traditions or Baraitot, Bar, Hebrew mean or in Aramaic, means outside. These are traditions that were left outside from the um, um, Mishnaic legal corpus. Can you explain the Tane Tana Kame Baraitot? What are they? Kame Baraitot are, if I translate, a certain Tana, a certain or reciter recited a specific for the Rashi Yeshivot. And we have more than 30 such traditions in the now, Chanukh Albeck and many other scholars claim that these traditions are not originally from Palestine, but the origin, their origin is attributed to, are attributed to Palestinian origin. The reciter recited the following in front of Rosh Yeshiva. 
a study school in Palestine or in Babylonia. So I was mentioned in the Babylonian Talmud and, and every Baraita in order whether these traditions are or Babylonian. And even more important, why are there, why are these specific traditions so opening, their opening was Tani Tanakame terms in the Babylonian Talmud uh, in order to present uh, openings to Tanaitic, usually Tanaitic traditions. What's so special about these terms? Why are they uh, provide this specific um, way? Who cares if these specific traditions were recited before a Rosh Yeshiva, head of a school, or not. And my conclusion was that each and every of these Baraita um, was presented before a Rosh Yeshiva because these traditions were very problematic with their, their halachic content. Therefore, only the Rosh Yeshiva, as a Yeshivot, was halachic. They were the halachic. Sasanian Babylonia, and therefore only their approval, only their stamp of approval, when they approved such a b'raita, only then binding halacha in Sasanian Babylonia. See that while the Talmud, Talmud provides a teur, Ari, um, explanation, theory, concept. When you say a certain uh, Tana recited the Baraita in front of Rosh Yeshiva, meaning, who cares Who cares if this tradition is relevant? Relevance, relevance, importance. Um, is a picture. Um, okay, if you could please ask the question again, can you comment on the history of scholarship on this topic? Yes, many of the Baraitot are considered to be Babylonian in origin. Why? Because all kinds of literary related to these Baraitot. For instance, like the Baraita that I mentioned before, Tane Tanakame, a certain recited the Baraita in front of a local authority, Rosh Yeshiva in Babylonian. So why is it attributed to a Babylonian authority? According to the main argument by Talmudic researchers, this proves that the origin of these halachot are indeed Palestinian halachot um, in Babylonian Aramaic because they were created in Babylonia. Why are these, why do these Palestinian halachot don't have explicit parallels in literature in Palestine? Because they again were origin was Babylonian, not Palestinian. Therefore, every historian or Talmudist who found these baraitot thought that they depict in the Talmud the world of the Babylonian sages or Babylonian realia of halacha and not Palestinian halacha. But however, what I found was wordings, the Abba Amoraic wordings and, and other all kinds of literary phenomena, they indeed proved that they went through Babylonian reductional process. That's, there's no question about that. But many of these halachot are indeed Palestinian, not Babylonian. Why? Because they are mentioned in different Tanaitic Palestinian halacha or Amoraic. So we date Palestinian halacha. How did you grow personally 
during the process of preparing this book? This this book is, consists of nine chapters, nine different studies. Five of them were published in different very um, important journals, such as Univ Journal of Oxford University Journal of Studies and so on. And during the years, since the year 2013, after finishing my previous book on legal uh, methodology of the Babylonian Abubai, I went these varietals and understand how they were created the Babylonian or Palestinian traditions and so on. And this is how I created the basis of year by year finishing another study and in a bigger picture of the Babylonia. This is how I uh, um, this is how I created the book in the years. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. How do the rabbis you examine here appear in the Jerusalem Talmud? Samuel, from the first generation of the Babylonian Talmud, including his Baraitot collection, collection of Baraitot, legal traditions from Palestine, are also documented in the Palestinian Talmud. And in many, many cases, they are indeed Palestinian in origin, because they are found, they have parallels in the Tanaitic compilations in the Tanaitic period. Um, but they're depicted in a very, very similar way. Absolutely. Tanaitic traditions of Levi. Levi ben Sisi was a very famous scholar who immigrated from Palestine, from Tiberia. He was a pupil of Rabbi Judah the Prince, and he immigrated to Babylonia. He was even older than Shmuel, and he also immigrated to the city of Nehardea, and in Nehardea, he also create, redacted a Tanaitic corpus of Palestinian material. How does Rashi interpret the anecdotes and traditions attributed to the sages you examine here? Uh, I think that Rashi uh, was the first one to claim that these traditions were indeed collections of the Amoraim, the literature. In other words, the Ridonia and the origin was indeed Palestinian. Scholars nowadays were very skeptical about Rashi's interpretation to this phenomena, to this Baraitot, and this is the reason that I dealt with this topic in depth. 
this book is mainly um, is mainly for researches of researches of the histor history who deal with history of the Babylonian Palestinian sages or Talmudic scholars who try to deal with the reduction of the Babylonian Talmud and reduction of the Tanaite compositions in Babylonia. Since this book was published in 2017, has your thinking on this topic changed or evolved in any specific ways? Yes, in a, in, a, in a separate study published two years ago in 2020 in the Journal of Asia, that there's also another reason why this Baha'i wine, and we're not in usual terms, Tanya in Tanu Rabbanan of Baha'i. What I, I found out that while age who quotes or recites uses the term Tanya or Tanu Rabbanan, which is a usual Tanaitic source, how it was late specific sages and quoted in the name of the earlier sage, Tanei Tanakame, or create or a recitation of a Baraita in the name of the Babylonian. See how the terms in Babylonian, the earlier sage who quotes the first time the Baraita in the Babylonian Talmud uses a verb, Tania or Tanurabanan, but a later sage who quotes his, in his name, quotes the same tradition in the name of that earlier sage, creates a term, a literary term, Tanei Rav Ploni. Tanei Rav Ploni in the Babylonian term. Absent time and space constraints, were there any questions or topics you wish you could have included in this book, but could not due to limits and circumstances? What subject matter, if any, would you ideally have included, but did not or could not? Could also provide the readers with compositions in Babylonia, but I thought that, but by was uh, it's providing with too many examples and by examining so many Tanaitic compilations was pointless, and therefore I thought that uh, by providing the readers with uh, six, seven, or nine Tanaitic compilations would be enough. What? misconceptions about the history of halakha does your book challenge? Why do these misconceptions exist? Why are these misconceptions problematic? That one of the reasons that attributions in the Babylonian Talmud are unreliable is because they were passed on from generation to generation by heart. And we know, we all know that by doing so, by memorizing hundreds of legal traditions, they could be very unreliable or changed and so on. Um, this, my uh, analysis of the text proved this to be wrong because you see that many legal traditions that, uh, that are mentioned already in earlier Palestinian compilations are where they travel. They were indeed the wording of the even re, uh, they were rewritten in um, a, in Babylonian Aramaic, but their content was attributed and originated in relations. So therefore, I think by using this argument in general, that um, uh, passing on halachot by heart uh, uh, considered as very problematic the case. Because if a Tanaitic composition Halakha mentioned in the Kantaitiko, recited in Babylonia in the same Talmud in a chronological huge gift for 300 years, is 
one case, not we're talking about tens of cases, a oral tradition, I think conclusions of my uh, book, on, of my uh, recent book. There are many people that you thank in your acknowledgements. Would you like to express gratitude to anyone publicly who helped you in developing this book? First of all, the uh, the original idea was uh, from my and master's thesis advisor, Professor Meir Felbu, Allah Shalom, And he's the first one who provided me with the idea, even though it was the it wasn't the subject of my PhD, my master's or PhD dissertation. But I always thought about this topic. And after finishing my book on the legal traditions of the, the Babylonian, the legal methodology of the Babylonian Amorim, I had to go back and try to analyze and 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 see if his idea I think that absolutely that's true idea of research and I had to go on and, and try to prove it why because after reading Yeshayahu Gafni's book the history of the Jews in Babylon I had to do conduct such a research how do you feel about the time should we end should we go on is there anything else you'd like to address regarding this book uh, do you I feel ready we, to wrap up it's it's already eight o'clock should wrap up okay and no my problem. wife but what's up? What, what's what's happening with you? Where are you? Okay, I apologize. Okay. Okay. As we end our dialogue today, can you tell us about your current research and the research you have done since completed this book? My current research deals with about the question of the legal ruling. Were they based on legal pluralism and tolerance towards diversity, diverse opinions in society in Babylonia, or? Um, Amorim were subject to earlier traditions, and they couldn't uh, contradict these earlier traditions. And I was able to provide three different uh, studies uh, way the legal system, that's a different topic. As we end our dialogue today, I'd like to express my utmost gratitude to you for your time and attention. Thank you for your thoughtful and detailed answers throughout the course of our conversation. Thank you, Ari, for inviting me. For invite Thank you. It was a tremendous honor. Thank you. To our listeners, I am your host today, Ari Barbalat, on the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I have been in dialogue with Dr. Barak Cohen. We have been discussing his book, For Out of Babylonia Shall Come Torah and the Word of the Lord from Nehar Pekod, The Quest for Babylonian Tatnaitic Traditions, published in Leiden, Netherlands, by Brill Publishers, 2017. Dr. Cohen is a senior lecturer of Talmudic literature at Bar-Ilan University. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.